Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Thursday podcast. Doug Lamarie, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We talked to 14 or 15 Ohio State Buckeyes. It was basically the bowl media day ahead of the Rose Bowl. Uh, interesting collection of guys, some young, some older, some information gleaned. I just want to kind of run through the guys, but I want to start off with the information-nisty information that we learned, which is stuff related to who is and isn't going to play in the Rose Bowl and who is and isn't going to come back to Ohio State next year. Let's start there, Nathan. Rose Bowl, playing in the Rose Bowl. Where do we stand on that with information and best guesses right now? Everybody we talked to today said they plan to play in the Rose Bowl. So that includes Thayer Munford, Tyreek Smith, uh, and, and even people who said that they still have NFL draft decisions that they haven't made. So Cam Brown, Dewan Jones, um, who am I forgetting? Zach Harrison. Like everybody, everybody we talked to today said they plan on playing in the Rose Bowl. And Tyreek Smith said, as far as he knows, Everybody's playing, but I, I I don't know if I put a lot of stake in that. So I do think it is fair to potentially read into the guys who we were expecting to get on media day and the guys who were not on the media day list. The only guy that we thought we were going to get that we did not get was Chris Olave. But I would read that as, hey, Chris Olave was planning to come talk to us. He, he just, I think, was working out or whatever, couldn't do it. But I would read that as it, a, an indication, not a sure thing, that Chris Olave will play in the Rose Bowl. Nathan, Garrett Wilson and Nicholas petit Frere were not among the list of guys that we talked to or planned to talk to. And we really did talk to almost everybody who's important. I would read that as some indication that maybe Garrett Wilson and Nicholas petit Frere won't play. Uh, we're not putting words in their mouths, but... I think that's a fair read or yeah. And, and cause we talked to 15 people today. Like that's a huge swath of guys. Like we never get that many players. Like people who follow the text know that we'll get like, maybe like what six or seven on a really good Wednesday sometimes during the season. So 15 on one day is, is kind of crazy. Um, and we're, we you know, thanks, thanks to Ohio state folks for hooking that up, but he would, yeah, Garrett Wilson and Nicholas pretty fair are like the two that I know were requested because they put out a call out for like who we might want to talk to and that didn't come. Probably the only other guy who got requested by a lot of people that wouldn't have come would have been Com Accord. I know I put him in, uh, but that's a different a different angle there, obviously, to some extent. Certainly not, not a question about the Rose Bowl, probably. 
All right. Pro stuff. Ronnie Hickman said he's coming back next year. What's the latest with Dewan Jones? Talked to Dewan a decent amount today. He said that he is still going through kind of an evaluation process, and he didn't make it sound like he's waiting on an NFL evaluation. It's more like talking to Brian Day, talking to his position coach, talking to whoever else, and and getting an assessment of whether he thinks he's ready for the NFL. I did ask did the Michigan game open your eyes at all to how ready you are for the NFL? And he sort of said yes and no. That like on one hand, he was definitely going up against some NFL guys that day. Obviously wasn't his best performance, but also thought that when he watched the film, it wasn't as bad as it people made it sound. So I'm not sure exactly where his head is. It sounds like a guy who uh, wants to be told he's ready to go. Don't know if that'll happen. So what's your read? Give a give a best guess right now because we just talked to him and that's more information than we've had about it before. Uh, I would I would lean him coming back. All right, Cam Brown. Who was at Cam Brown? Cornerback Cam Brown. Stephen, were you at Cam Brown? Yeah. What, what's the Cam va- Brown vibe on the NFL? He said he said he's still mulling over his options. There's a lot of things he has to think about. But like the vibe he gave off, the way he was kind of answering some questions and reacting to some things, if I had to guess, I would guess he's not coming back. I think it, he felt at the times when he was as close to 100% as he could have been this year, obviously coming off the torn Achilles and then having the knee stuff. And then, you know, I think he had a concussion at one point this year. But when he was on the field, he showed enough that like teams kind of know what he is. He doesn't really care what his drug you know, draft stock might be. So I, I think the vibe he kind of gave off with somebody who's just going to take his chances and go, you know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. I'm going to go get a check if I'm going to keep dealing with these injuries. All right. Zach Harrison. Who is it? Zach Harrison was also at Zach Harrison over there. Yeah. What's the deal? On uh, Zach he Harrison was, in the NFL. Yeah. He, it's still a thought. And there's a lot of factors that he's going to be, you know, mulling over when he makes a decision. He hasn't made it yet, but I mean, he thought he had a good year. I straight up asked him, did he think he had a good year? He said he thought he had a good year. Um, not everything he expected this year to be. Um, the loss to Michigan plays a role in this decision of whether he's going to leave or not. And I think if the vibe with Cam Brown was that he's not coming back, I think the vibe surrounding Zach Harrison was the polar opposite. I think he'll be back here next year. Nathan, you were at Zach Harrison? I- intermittently, yeah. Do you agree with a, with some kind of possibly coming back vibe for him? Yes. Yeah, that's where I would lean. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's a pretty big stinking deal. Because... No, that would be, I think, pretty huge. Because then you, as much as we think that Tuimaloao and Sawyer are poised to take a important step as sophomores, this doesn't put everything on their shoulders. Now you can rotate with three guys who are, potentially strong players, NFL ready players or NFL headed players, as opposed to just putting it on two guys. I think the thing that's true about Zach is he didn't have the kind of year that makes you have to leave. Right. Right. If he was a surefire first round pick, it sort of doesn't matter how you think about things. You have to go. He did not have that year. I still think based on the kind of player that he is and the year that he had, I think that kind of makes sense to go. He's a very good player who will get drafted pretty darn high, and he is an NFL player, no doubt about it. But I think when it's not a no-doubt-about-it decision, he didn't have a no-doubt-about-it year, and then you add in sort of like the 
pragmatic, very thorough, big picture worldview football, super important, but it's not only football kind of way that I think Zach Harrison sees the world. I think you add that to not a no doubt about it year. And maybe it does equal comeback. He he certainly has more to prove with another year than Chris Olave did a year ago at this time when he decided to come back. I know it's a different yeah. position, different every every situation is different, but I, I still think he can help himself more with another year than Chris Olave was able to probably. He 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 kept coming back to the word consistency. He said he showed some things, but he needed to do it more often, more every downs. And I said, is that in the pass rushing or is that in the run game? He said both. Like he didn't show it enough to make it to the point of he didn't have the type of year where he has to go to because he wasn't showing it consistently. He would have the strip sack against Minnesota, but then there'd be times out there where you forget he was on the field. And it is one of those things. I mean, if he has it, he might have an Aiden Hutchinson year in him. He might, you know, and then all of a sudden you're going from second or third round guy to a top 10 guy. So like that's out there for him too. Okay. That's Zach Harrison. Again, Ronnie Hickman said definitively he's coming back. I think that's basically it with NFL decision guys that we talked to Thayer Munford. He's a senior. He's going, Tyreek Smith has said all along that he's going, even yeah. though he would have a year of eligibility left. And then nobody else can, you know, Antoine Jackson, we talked to him, he's a senior. And then nobody else can really go. So let's do this. I just want to sort of run through the guys. We tried to divide it up. There were three tables. They do it in the indoor facility at the Woody, the indoor plastic grass field. They set up three long tables draped with Ohio State tablecloths. They have a microphone set up. And then we have a couple little folding chairs and a speaker. And we put our, little tape recorders against the speaker and we get to talk to these guys for what between probably like 12 and 18 minutes for each guy, depending. So let's run through the guys. And I think we'll hit a couple things. I'll start with steel chambers because I want to talk about one of the things that got asked about a lot is, which is basically the Michigan game and what Michigan has said since then, what happened with Aiden Hutchinson and Desmond Howard at the Heisman, what Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator said about sort of, Michigan being tougher, more physical than Ohio State. Steel Chambers, when asked that thing about Josh Gaddis, hey, he, you know, basically kind of said, to paraphrase that you guys were soft, Steel Chambers was like, yeah, we were. Which was like the only guy I heard say that. He was like, yeah, I mean, he's kind of right, and we have to be better at that. And he said, I was kind of soft. I wasn't good enough against Michigan. I didn't get off blocks good enough. I didn't make enough plays. And I thought that was a kind of interesting answer to that. I, I don't know on that topic in general, you know, Denzel Burke said, you know, we've got something to show people or whatever. He, he sort of took it was like, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll show them next year what kind of team we are. Nobody super took the bait though, Nathan. And by bait, I mean, the media shouldn't be throwing out bait, but I do think it's fair to ask people to react to things that other opponents say about their program. The fact that Steel Chambers kind of admitted it and said, yeah, we need to get better. What what were the most interesting things you heard related to things Michigan has said? Well, pretty much everybody who showed up today got some version of that question. And especially um, really actually defensive or offensive. You were getting that, you know, do you feel like you guys were tough enough in that game? Do you feel like you have to get tougher? Does the Utah game give you guys a chance to prove how tough you are? Every possible angle. And really, I think as much as fans, I think probably love to hear – 
the way that Denzel Burke responded or the way that some, you know, Thayer Munford saying like, man, I'm, I'm scared for Michigan next year and, and stuff like that. I think the steel chambers answer is the answer that best potentially assures it doesn't happen again. It's recognizing that you had an issue that day or a weakness and going out and trying to fix it and having some real self-awareness of the situation. Now, Steel Chambers was also sick that day. He was one of the guys who was sick. He said he lost several pounds while being sick late in the, the year. So, he, But he also was quick to say that's not an excuse. But that was also a factor that day. But I think that's, again, one of those other things that will motivate them to be like, there was a lot of, 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 of sentiment today about we're moving past that game. There were definitely guys who were like, you know, we're just – that game's over. We're moving past it, whatever. And I think that I'm more intrigued by guys who, I mean, you got to sit in this for a while. You got to sit in this for the next year. And what do you do while you're sitting in it? Do you um, try to pretend it isn't uh, as bad as it is, or do you use it to kind of motivate yourself? And it seems like he's probably the latter of those two. Yeah. Jack Sawyer was kind of like that too, which is, in the name of like, he's the Ohio guy. So it stings a little bit more because he grew up with it. He got the Watson up front and personal, this, how the last decade has gone, which is, I mean, he's 19 years old. So his entire life, Ohio State has dominated this rivalry. And he, he kind of had some of the same sentiments of, I hope they enjoy it because this isn't going to be happening much more while I'm here. It sucks that this is how I have to start my career here. And they were a good team that day, but don't expect this to become the norm. I did think they're, Sometimes you can tell guys end up using similar phrases and it's like, oh, your coaches said that. And now you guys are like sort of parroting what they said. It felt like to me that Ryan Day maybe said like, hey, let's not do our business. Whatever they say, let's not answer it with talking. Let's answer it with getting to work and getting back on the field next year. I thought, you know, guys didn't go down the road too much, but I did. Again, Steel Chambers, what I wrote down. Um, about the Gattis comment, he said, it does sting, but at the end of the day, he's right. Me included. It lights a fire under us, which was like, okay, okay. So, all right. The other thing that Steel Chambers said since we started with Steel Chambers, we was talking about, and he's been talking about it all year, but the switch from running back to linebacker, and he was like, don't get caught in between. And the idea of like, well, if you're changing positions, don't go halfway. He said, I dove into linebacker. Once I did that, and that's what gave me the chance. But he also said, like, four or five weeks in, it's like I was I was ticked off because, like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was behind, and I was ticked off about it. And it, like, feels terrible. Just like anything. We've all been in that experience in life where you're with your peer group, but it feels like everybody else in your peer group is ahead of you. Whether it's a class in school that you don't understand or maybe, you know, you joined a team late because your parents missed the sign-up date or, you know what I mean? Like there's, we've all been in that. It sucks to feel behind. It makes you uncertain about yourself every minute that you're doing that activity. And he felt that way. And he fought through it. Like he like, I'm like, I'm not going to stop. And so uh, Nathan, we talk about it a lot with like the don't get caught in between. That was like steel chambers. I was like, are you saying like, that's your advice? He's like, yeah, man, you got to figure out what you want to do and do it or you'll get lost. And so that was like, okay, good. It's, you know, it's one thing for a couple guys on a podcast to say it, but it was advice from a player who's been through it. Yeah. And I thought there was another thing he was talking about that gave us some perspective on just how difficult this transition probably was for him. 
because it was so late in the process that they decided to do this like in a full i know it was like there was a dalliance there that they were they were playing with the idea but it really wasn't until preseason camp that this became it came to fruition and he talked about this first two years in the program that you're either on a, a plan to like lose weight maintain weight or gain weight and his first two years in the program he had been on a program to just maintain where he was at that that plain weight he was at around 225 which is what he played at this year but now the coaches are telling him he needs to be at like 235 so he's going to go into a plan this year to get to gain more weight so really he played this whole year and was like arguably ohio state's best linebacker while still undersized for what he should optimally be to do that i think it that to me was a good reminder that um I think the way that we read that situation wasn't wrong and that there's maybe he has a little bit of that gene, that, that perseverance or just that X factor that, uh, and it's a mental thing as much as a physical thing that, that pushes him through that. But I think that was a good perspective to hear because he, when we were having conversations about other guys on this roster, like uh, just off to the side and that, that theme keeps coming up. Like, you know, where does this guy fit? Now, we could really see him fitting here. Wouldn't he be really intriguing here? And before you know it, they're juniors and they've never played. And he was about to get into that kind of position. And instead, it, it, it has worked out so well for him that he goes in the next year as being like one of the more intriguing people on this whole defense. All right, quick break. We're going to come back with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Court Williams, and a couple of guys next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, Stephen, try the text 614-350-3315. We were firing out texts during the signing day news conference on Wednesday. We were firing out texts during this interview session on Thursday. Like you get mini podcast nuggets in your phone while they are happening. We are not a group that waits until something's over. And then we say, hey, we just ended this thing. Here's what happened. We're telling it to you while it is happening. And this was a great example of it here on Thursday. Steven, I know you were at Jackson Smith and Jigba for a while. I was there for a bit of it too. You were asking him sort of questions about what did he see as the season developed and he clearly became more of a threat in this offense. He did have some comment like, hey, I want to go against the best defenders out there. And kind of I didn't this season because everybody was more worried about Chris and Garrett. But also you were asking him, you know, by the end of the year, defenses has figured out, hey, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, it was interesting he went from the third wheel of like, oh, it's just the other guy on the field while Chris and Garrett get the ball to, hey, why isn't Jackson getting the ball to, hey, he might be their most explosive weapon. He might be the best receiver on this team. And now next year he's going to come into a situation where he's not under the radar. He's not the, hey, here's a guy who might break out. He's the guy and he might be the best returning receiver in the country, depending on some other things and whatnot. And so it was just interesting to see how, especially in the slot where he's not seeing a bunch of press man, how did teams kind of, you know, how did he see defensive game plans change from the beginning of the season where it's like, oh, we're going to let you do what you do versus especially after maybe the Nebraska game where it's like, we have to pay attention to this guy. And he said he noticed it a little bit, but it was still more, we worry about Chris and we worry about Garrett. And th- that's one of the things he's looking forward to next year, whether he's in the slot, whether he's outside, because he didn't play in the slot till he got here. Like when he was in high, high school, they played him everywhere, which is saying something because he played high school in Texas. So he's not the only really good receiver on his team. And so uh, the question is, is he going to be still in the slot? Do they move him all over the place? But what he's really looking forward to is now that he's like the top dog on this roster and CJ Stroud's best weapon, He's ready to you know, see how defense is game plan and basically go up against everybody else's best weapon. And that might start in the Rose Bowl when he gets a chance to go up against Clark Phillips, who does spend some time in the slot. 
I asked him if it would have been a better strategy to not be as good this yeah. year so he could sneak up on people next year and they'd be like, oh, this Jackson Smith and Jigba guy, he's more than just a third wheel, but he kind of already blew his cover on that. We talk a lot, we've talked a lot about what if he goes outside? What if is this is sort of their new plan? Garrett Wilson slot as a sophomore goes outside as a junior. I don't think there's anything in, I mean, he's not little. He doesn't have to play in the slot. And I did ask him about that. Sort of like, hey man, like we see that with Garrett and what about that? Could that happen? And he said, like, if they need me outside, I'll go outside and I'll deliver. And of course that's what he's going to say. It does feel like he he has the skills to play Mm -hmm. out there. And it does feel like, Mekeg Buka in the slot and Jackson outside, just the way they did it this year with Jackson and Garrett, would make a lot of sense. But I, Stephen, I, I liked his, I liked his confidence. I liked his football knowledge. He seems like he has a real connection with CJ, and he did say, "I want to be the quarterback's best friend." And I think mm-hmm. in this offense, as we've talked about many times, the slot position is designed to be that. He said, "I want to go out there. I want to read. Is it zone? Is it man?" adjust mm-hmm. my route, get to the place where CJ needs me to be. So he has somewhere to go to. I do think that's almost, I, I, I was also sort of j- joking. I, I was all, I had missed a lot of Wednesday interviews with the players this year. So like a lot of these guys, I don't know their personalities as well. So then I came in with a bunch of dad jokes. I went like two for nine on the dad joke. Cause I was trying to it's talk good, to Ronnie. It's a good shooting percentage, man. For dad jokes. It's actually pretty good. I'm going to keep yeah. chucking them. So, because I asked yeah, you're like the Hickman, Steph like, Curry of dad jokes if you're two for nine. <laughs> I was trying to ask Rodney Hickman the idea of like, what do you call yourself? And he's like, I call it a bullet. I was like, so if like if you were saying, hey, I play football, and someone said, what position do you play? You'd say I'm the bullet. He's like, well, I'd say the bullet, but if they asked something else, I'd say, well, I play I play strong safety or whatever. And so it was like, and I said, but the Jim Jim Knowles is coming in. Maybe you have a chance to sort of suggest names for positions. You know, you could name your own position. And then we're like, yeah, we should. Your nickname is Rocket, as you wrote, Nathan. You should suggest they name the position Rocket. It's like, oh, who played Rocket? Rocket. He originated it. And then you originate the role like on Broadway. And then everybody comes in behind you and play that. And I was like trying to say that to him. He's just walking away. (laughs) It was just like, (laughs) my interview session is over. Strange old man. Will you please stop shouting at me? But then you could be the Rocket. Rocket. So, um, but Jackson, I, I liked the idea that you could almost call the slot receiver QB's best friend, because I think in this offense, that's what it's designed to be. But I think they have a guy, Steven, next year who would be capable of being that. And then Jackson can go outside and torch people. It's almost, (laughs) it's the same conversation we were having at the end of last season when we were trying to figure out how things were going to work out where it's like, who's better the second string slot or the second string outside guy, because that's going to decide where Garrett goes. Okay, who's better? Emeka Abuka, Marvin Harrison, or Julian Fleming? Which of those who's the who's next on that list between those three guys? Because that's going to decide maybe where Jackson Smith ends up. But I, the thing I liked about you know, Jackson today, and you see this a lot, maybe with five stars who are like ready to take that next step when they get to year three after they've had a sophomore year where they kind of arrived a little bit and kind of validated some things you kind of they talk a little different they sit a little differently up there and they're kind of ready for the moment 
And off the bat, one of the first things he was talking about is, I know what I need to do. I need to start stepping up as a leader. I need to be more vocal. All you know, all the buzzwords, all the cool words. But you started, you kind of felt that energy coming off of him. Maybe the same way you felt it with Garrett last year. Had we been in a situation where we were able to be around the team, we were still on Zoom calls at that point. You saw it with Jeff Okuda. You've seen it with a lot of guys in the past. Where when they have a solid sophomore year and it looks like they're ready to explode a year. Three, you start seeing it at the end of that sophomore year and the way they start talking when they know the guys who are in front of them are about to be out the door. All right, a couple more guys I want to run through. Court Williams was one of the guys that came out, guy that was asked about a lot. Nathan, I know you uh, were at his table and talked with him, and we had mentioned on the podcast that he had sort of been retweeting stuff about other people saying, hey, Court Williams needs to play more. What was the vibe from Court Williams today? So it's a guy who I think is realistic in terms of he knows he didn't have a spring last year, really still coming back from the ACL. He knows he was even limited in the preseason and that that hindered him from being able to really establish himself to start the year. But I kind of hung around with him and got some one-on-one time with him because I wanted to ask him. I was like, listen, I saw that you were active on social media last week. You're retweeting stuff. So like, do you feel like you played enough last year? Like, is that something that's going on in your head? And he's like, no, I definitely feel like I could have played more. Like it's a paraphrase, but that's basically what he said. Like he believes he could have played more, should have played more, but he also said, I trust the coaches. I trust Ryan day, uh, you know, and that I think he's looking forward. I know he is that he sees Knowles coming in as sort of a clean slate that everybody now gets to use to, you know, audition for, for whatever role they're going to have going forward. And I think he's encouraged by that. I think he also, the way he played against Michigan State and having some, even though it's like, you know, garbage minutes or whatever, like going in and having the performance he did in that game, getting some tackles for loss or whatever, I feel like he believes, and Steven, you've alluded to this before, that he feels like when he played, he showed he can play. That there's not a question. It's not like he got out there as some other guys have and made us think like, ooh, wait, what's, that ain't it. Like we didn't think that about Court Williams. We got he got out there and played, and we thought, hey, that's where we think that's supposed to be trending. So maybe by opening day next year, he's healthier. He'll have a whole year of health, and with this new perspective coming in, any defensive staff changes that leads to him having a bigger role. All right, Denzel Burke was interesting. Always a confident guy. I know Stephen, you've written about that, but he was getting asked a lot about. Jordan Hancock and Kalen Johnson as these two other corners in his class that we have talked about a lot. And he is very enthused about them. And then somebody else, I think another player sort of just brought up Jordan Hancock when people were like, Hey, who looks good? He's like Jordan Hancock. So I think the book we were talking the last couple of days about those two guys are going to be needed next year. I know, I think Nathan, you were there for part of Denzel Burke because you were asking him a lot of questions about Hancock and Jacqueline Johnson. Did any of it feel any more real to you, our expectations for those two first year corners and what they'll do in year two based on the way Denzel Burke was talking about him? Well, yeah, kind of the, the vibe I wanted to get from him is just like, because he got to go out there and play right away. And that's such an unusual thing, especially at that position, but he's, you know, starting from day one. So what sort of like, what, what is he getting from them as far as just like their hunger and how much they feel like it's their time. And he sort of responded that, yeah, like you can see that from them, that there is definitely, I mean, he kept, he, he likes the term dogs. He uses that a lot though. So I tried to get him to like, what, okay, what specifically is dog about these guys? And he went into, you know, their um, just their tenacity and the way that they, they get after it and the way that they're committed and all that stuff. So it, it, 
it definitely, and he wasn't the only guy talking about those. Steven was over with Cam Brown when Cam Brown was talking mm-hmm. about those same guys. And the, the returns on those guys right now is positive, that the people are seeing. And I think even Ronnie Hickman was asked. I, I wasn't there at the time, but I think I, I overheard him getting some questions about those guys. Like, there's definitely, within the roster, people are paying attention to the fact that those guys are sort of on the verge. All right, Jack Sawyer. I know, Stephen, you were at Jack for a while. Jack had sort of a specific role in the defense this year. Frankly, even though he's a true freshman, we thought it might be a little bit bigger. Where, where's he in his thoughts about this year and what he thinks is out there for him? Yeah, he, for the most part, the year went the way he thought it would go. Not perfectly. Obviously, he probably he thinks he probably would have played more just like the entire world probably thought he would have gotten the snaps that JT was getting, but also understanding, you know, the things that he needs to get better at are probably why he didn't play more. JT's good at the run. Jack's good at the pass. And you're going to defend the run more than you're going to defend the pass. So there's that. He'll, he needs to continue to improve in that, which he knows um, looking forward. Uh, he, he got asked about the Jack Leo position, whatever one you want to call it, the standing rusher. Um, kind of acknowledge that that's a role he could see himself fitting into, which means like not just like getting after the passer, even though that is a big brunk of it, but also sometimes you're going to do it like what David Ajabo did, where you are going to be back in coverage. We saw Zach, Zach Harrison do it at times last year. And so I just asked him, how are you in coverage? He says he's okay. But like the way he said it with his face, it was kind of like, I'm okay at it, but I definitely should need to be a little bit better at that type of stuff. But yeah, for the most part, decent year. Good learning year for him. Good stepping stone year. But he kept saying he knows he and JT, it's like this time it's going to be a big offseason for those two guys because they know they're going to have to step up. Regardless of whatever decisions Zach Harrison or anybody else needs to make, they kind of know that. They, it seemed like they knew that year two was going to be the year they were going to have to start You know, showing. It's going to, it can't just be flashing anymore. They have to start showing it consistently. Did, did anyone mention to him the Jack at Jack sack attack? No. See, this is why I, I literally almost got up from where I was. I Just to ask him that. To ask him that. But I figured I, I took my seat on the bench. It, I wasn't in at that point. I was just clapping yeah, for everybody else. Two for nine. All right. Let's take one more quick break and come back with three more things. Next on Buckeye Talk. All right. We're going to do JT, Tuimolowau, Trevion Henderson, and some Jim Knowles conversation. JT... My first chance, I guess you guys said he'd come out one other time this year. My first chance to really talk with him. Really good guy. Really liked talking to him. And I sort of, through the course of the discussion, eventually got around to the idea of, I didn't say Quinn Ewers to him, but I was trying to dig in with questions because there were two five-star recruits that showed up late at Ohio State this year. And we spent a lot of time talking about Quinn Ewers and the idea that he got here late and it set him back and it kind of was the beginning of the end of Quinn Ewers. And he was also reclassifying. And so it's not an apples to apples comparison, but JT got here late also very late. And he wound up as a fundamental part of the defense. So I was trying to dig into that on him. Like, how did you do that? And he was talking like, when he said, he said, when I got here, like I didn't talk to anybody for like two weeks. Like I'm just kind of quiet. You know, and it's like one of the things, again, like you're not in here in January with your guys. You're not in here in June with your guys where you're living together and playing video games and going out to eat and hanging out in the locker room. Like that's a real thing, man. And you can, I think, feel like an outsider a little bit. But he said his family helped him through it. He said his dad texted him every day 
said, this is the plan. He had something, I think he called it like faucet theory. That it's like, you've got to turn the faucet on and off when you need it. But it was just like a lot of, it's just really, it, it happens with a ton of these guys, but it's a reminder. They're teenagers, they're off at college, it's real life. And he is connected to his family, even though they're in Washington state, that they from afar helped keep him locked in. So he went from a point where like, he was not even like really talking to guys for the first two weeks he was here to establishing a major role. And I think he did a lot with not much prep and there is like a ton more out there for him. So he said he played at 270. It sounds like that might be pretty good. He said physically, he felt like he did hold up in the big 10. He said going against the Ohio state offensive line and practice helped every day. Mentally, he said like, he felt like he kind of got it pretty quickly. So I think this is a guy who is clearly supremely talented, physically, mentally, emotionally gets it, works hard. And with really not that much more time in the program than Quinn Ewers had the kind of season he had, there is a lot out there for him. He is a real dude. And it was a reminder of that. And Stephen, what you were talking about with Jack, he was just talking about like, he felt like their bond, his bond with Jack on and off the field just grew and grew and grew over the course of the year. And they know they're going to be linked always. And it feels like they're both kind of growing in, in that linkage. That's going to matter. And whatever their development paths are, it's going to really matter that both of those guys develop and not just one of them. One, because yes, because that helps. Stephen, more importantly, because they are linked and you don't want to be like the guy who like it's two top five recruits who might be the, the best Larry Johnson's ever produced here. And one of them ends up being like the next Chase Young, Nick Bosa, and the other one just never taps completely into that potential. But I do want to ask, did anybody with JT since you were over there bring up his relationship with Polyer and Haskell? And if that at all helped ease his transition. The fact that like he's got there's two other Polynesians here. Polier had his own struggles when he first got here, not really knowing if he was going to play or not. Did anybody ask about those two in, in that relationship that they had with JT? No. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Travion Henderson. Nathan, were you at Travion Henderson? Uh, for most of it, yeah. How was Travion? What was the deal with him? Um, he's good. You know, he, he was upfront about uh, being banged up a little bit. I think he called it nicked up uh, at, at multiple games this year and just playing through it and the, just kind of the toll that it, it, it takes on a body. And, and especially, I think, when you took a year off of football, I, that was also something that we, we maybe got a little bit glossed over this year, although there were certainly plenty of times, too, where he just wasn't being exposed that much. So. That, I think that factored into that what too. What got glossed over? What got glossed over? The, the fact that, the, yeah, the, 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 that that maybe that year that what how much that year might have cost him in terms of just football preparation. Yeah, no, I don't think it got glossed over. We brought that up all the time. I mean, like that's a. I thought it was like a miracle that he played as well as he did, considering he didn't play his last year of high school football. Okay, right. no, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> um. Uh, I thought one Everybody of the more knew it. I, it's not here. I mean, I, no, no, no. Wait, I mean, definitely. It was a, it was a primary part of the conversation that this guy's doing this when he didn't play football last year. Right. To our credit, not just right. me, but like everybody we talked about it all the time. Okay. Um, I thought one of the more amusing things that he talked about was from a physical standpoint, like one of the big adjustments was 
pass protection. That was something he didn't have to do at all at the high school level, he said. And to do it at the Big Ten level, again, considering he didn't have that that year of football, um, was a bit of an eye-opener for him. But he said that it was it was more the, – the eyes got opened in practice for him. Like you talked about one time that Taraja Mitchell basically like – trucked him pretty good and, and flattened him in practice. And by the time he had to do it in games, even though you've got, you know, linebackers and defensive ends coming at you full speed, he had, he had at least been uh, started to acclimate to it. I think the quote was read up my face. Yeah. Buckeye talk. So I do the, the last thing is a lot of defenders were getting Jim Knowles questions, of course, the new defensive coordinator and a lot of guys like steel chambers was like, yeah, I kind of looked at my phone for five minutes, sort of see what the, what the deal was. And it's like, well, I don't know. He's going to, he's going to show up and be my defensive coordinator and guys are excited. It is. You can feel them. It is a little bit weird, but also it's like, I don't know. He's going to be here, but he's not here now, but it was interesting. Like they met with him today, Nathan. It was like, we were talking to these guys. And I think like at two o'clock, they had a zoom meeting scheduled for the defensive players to get on the a zoom for 45 minutes with, Jim Knowles, which I just thought was interesting, but there wasn't, I didn't, there wasn't much insight. And I asked like, Hey, is it hard for players? And I sort of got like, at least from one of the guys like, Hey, you know, it's a business, man. I mean, like guys, coaches come and they go and this is how it works. And then we're not the only place that is going through something like this, but I thought it was funny. They're having the a meeting today. Yeah. There was a wide variety of, of responses here. Although I would say that the ones who said that they had paid a lot of attention, like as Steve was saying, it sounded like Jack Sawyer had really like spent some yeah, time looking into this. Um, yeah. He said that um, he likes that they attack and yeah. like, it's not as much standing around. Yeah. But then I talked to other guys like court Williams is like, I haven't looked at anything like we're, we're, we're focused on Utah. That'll happen when it happens. I'm not worried about that yet. Um, and other guys were kind of, I thought similar that they were like, you know, like, like you said, with, with, uh, I remember was it chambers or Hickman that said like, yeah, hey, I looked for like five minutes chambers. Right. Yeah, chambers, like, yeah. I, I looked for like five minutes and then, you know, okay. And then <laughs> like, because until that guy is your defensive coordinator, like, wait, I don't know. You can't, if I was a competitor, I guess I would, I would not, I'd be doing the same thing. Like why, why spend a lot of time worrying about what you're going to be on January 2nd when you got a job to do on January 1st. All right, we actually got to go. Is there anything that someone needs to jam in in the next 30 seconds, Buckeye talk, before we get out of here? Like, oh, my God, we forgot to talk about this. I, th- I tried to cover the most interesting guys, which usually at bowl prep means the do younger want, guys. Anybody, do you want to, anybody miss? Well, you mentioned the Paris Johnson Jr. tackle thing. Is that something worth talking about today? So I, I asked Paris Johnson if he repped at tackle in bowl practice all. He said no. So that's like, if he had said like, yeah, I'm playing left tackle all the time. It's like, okay, well then maybe MPF really isn't going to play. So he said no, but also then we sort of thought, well, maybe that means Thayer Munford would play tackle if Nicholas petit Frere doesn't play and he might play he very well might play, but there's a lot. It's the continued saga of Paris Johnson doesn't like being a guard. He's super excited to be a tackle. He did it this year because the team needs him to. And it was the fifth time for all the people that I haven't talked about things with. It is like the fifth time I've had a conversation with Paris Johnson at a news conference about being a guard kind of stinks, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, but I'm doing what the team needs me to do. And, you know, that's great. And I was like, well, did you get a taste of Aiden Hutchinson a little bit? Didn't you go up against him? Was that like a taste of tack a little bit when you blocked him in the Michigan? He's like, yeah, I blocked him once. So I thought I did fine when I blocked him, but, you know. <laughs> it's more than some of them could say. The, 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 well, the tackles yeah. blocked him all day. So, um, 
he's eager to get to tackle. He knows he's going to get to tackle. And for now, he's playing one more game at guard in the Rose Bowl. But when it's tackle time, Paris Johnson will be lined up 45 minutes. He's door busting on tackle day, man. He'll be there on whatever, Black Friday for tackles. He's lining up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and he's going to be running right into the store. So, all right, that's a little quicker than we usually do it on Buckeye Talk. Busy, busy times. We'll be back with some stuff on Friday, another pot on Saturday. Urban Meyer got fired in the middle of the night. We're recording this on Thursday. He's no longer he's been the no longer the Jaguars coach for like 15 hours. Nate, Nathan wrote a news story about it in the middle of the night. I wrote a column about it in the middle of the night. I would direct you guys to those pieces at cleveland.com slash buckeye talk. We will, and I did a rant, a little talking earlier this week on, on Urban. We will discuss that later more. We don't have time to do it today. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.